Hi, this is Weed. And this is Cliff. Thanks for listening to the new Weed and Cliff podcast. It's a collection of things we think are interesting, and we hope you enjoy our take on them. And if you do, please consider clicking that Support the Podcast button over on the other side of the page. Thanks again for listening to the new Weed and Cliff podcast. Let's start today with a fine example of how quickly things can go south for a criminal if they pick the wrong person to rob. Police in Fontana, California, say someone broke into the apartment of Lorenza Marujo Monday night, and while authorities don't know what the dude was looking for, we might expect it was valuables that he could then sell for drug money. But what he got, though, was a number 10 size can of whoop-ass. Police say that when the man broke in, the 67-year-old woman who walks with a cane told him to back off, and for some reason, he complied, even before he knew that the woman had... 26 years of martial arts training. Instead, the assailant went no, went next door and broke into the apartment of Marujo's 81-year-old neighbor. Now, you might at this point guess who followed with her cane. And by the time police arrived, he had been beaten so badly, the criminal was begging to be rescued and taken to jail. <laughs> Cliff, I'm up, not up to date on my cans. Is a yeah. number 10 a big can? That's one of the, you know, those big and uh, institutional size cans. You know, like you would get, like, if you were in a school cafeteria. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's like a, like, I don't know, a gallon, a gallon and a half, something like that. Yeah. And they call those a number 10 can? A number 10 can, yes. Wow. You don't want to open that up, do you? Especially if it's <laughs> got in there what you were talking about. It's got it, especially if it's full of whoop-ass. Yeah, you don't want, no. <laughs> we want to welcome one and all to the Morning Road Show. We're, where this is the place where, well, we just make us as nervous as, we make you every morning. I'm starting to get a little nervous right now. I'm I had like, a, where are you going with this? I had a brain lock there, Cliff. I uh, I was so nervous, I couldn't get the words to come out there. Boy, for Jackie Young, that must be pretty exciting, Cliff. You know, if um, if they win, I mean, re- I realize it's game one of a f- best of five. Uh, Jackie Young will have won the state championship in high school basketball, the national championship in NCAA play, and then the world championship in professional basketball that's pretty rare <laughs> i want to be on her team you know what i'm saying well <laughs> yeah get some hardware with her <laughs> i think if you were on jackie young's team you'd be folding the towels well I, yes i wouldn't be playing that's for sure well cliff let me take care of this stroke i'm having and we'll come back oh. after the seven o'clock news and maybe i can get the <laughs> okay. words to come out <laughs> we'd somehow the nhl managed to do it conduct some sort of a regular season and playoffs without a single coronavirus case. Oh, sure, there were no fans, and the entire league went into a bubble in two different cities with one half of the league playing in one and the other half in the other, all in isolation and away from the rest of the world, us living in the middle of the pandemic. It all ended a few days ago when the Tampa Bay Lightning won Lord Stanley's Cup, beating Dallas in six games. They hoisted the trophy in an empty arena and then loaded the darn thing on a plane and flew it home for further celebration in what has become NHL tradition. The team decided that while they won the trophy without fans, that wasn't going to happen during the party. And then they hosted separate events in Tampa Bay on Wednesday. And apparently during one of those celebrations, someone leaned over to lightning forward Alex Killorn and whispered, hey, don't forget you're in Florida. So he filled Lord Stanley's cup with booze, got a big drink, and then allowed a bunch of fans to drink out of it as well. (laughs) 
Now, historically, players whose team wins the cup gets a brief period of time what to do to do with it, whatever they want to do. But my guess is allowing strangers to drink out of a pandemic cup is the most Florida thing in the history of hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I would not like to be the last guy sucking on that. You know what, Cliff? <laughs> Just about the time your lips touch it, it's like, ooh, this is a mistake. (laughs) I was thinking, Cliff, on the drive to work this morning. I seem to do a lot of thinking in my car for some reason. It's funny funny how that works. (laughs) I do. I do my best thinking in my car and on my lawnmower. But I was thinking on the way to work this morning, Cliff, the things that you learn as a kid that you're instructed to do or the things that you hear and see, how those little freaky things can stay with you the rest of your life i remember oh oh, no that's absolutely right i remember in (laughs) kindergarten yeah and i hated kindergarten i was the kid that we had it at the library in owensville in the basement and there was a gigantic bush out back and i constantly hid in there whenever we went outside (laughs) hoping not to have to go back in to the classroom and the teacher would drag me out from underneath the bushes which sounds kind of weird, but that's what <laughs> happened. Sounds kinda, yeah. And then we would yeah. come back in, and she always played that song, A Spoonful of Sugar Helps the Medicine Go Down. Yeah. I detest that song to this <laughs> very day. And something oh. else, Cliff. Yeah. Starting in kindergarten all the way through grade school. Yeah. If you were sitting in class and yeah. you had to use the bathroom. Yeah. You always had to raise your hand, right? Yeah, and be called on. Mm-hmm. To this day, yeah. when I'm in the men's room, I stand <laughs> there with one hand in the air like a no. moron because I can't stop doing it. You should well, see that, Cliff. Well, no, I, no, you I don't shouldn't want to see, see it. Yes, no. but I'm just telling you that's what's no. going on. As long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing with your other hand. I'm basically okay with that. I'm just saying, it's kind of weird I mean, if you're in a public restroom and people see you yeah. there. They're wondering yeah. what you're saluting. You know, I'm just... <laughs> <sighs> I need to quit thinking so much of my yeah, cars, Cliff. Yeah, Mercy. Cliff, my apologies to you. I uh, cut yeah. you off earlier when we were talking. You have a story <laughs> that you wanted to bring yeah. up, too. I mean, because you were, you were talking about things that you learn as little kids that stay with you forever. And, um, I have this thing and I, and now it just, one, it's one of those things that even though I'm in my late fifties, I unconsciously do this because I was taught it as a toddler. Apparently when I was a very young boy, I had that thing that most kids that age do is when they go into a store, they want to touch everything. You know what I'm saying? Oh yes. You see that, you see that all the time. All the time. The, kid, the kids in the store, they just want to touch everything. And so my parents taught me, as I'm probably three, to put my hands in my pockets because then I couldn't touch anything. What a brilliant concept of parenting that was, Mom. <laughs> and, to, and to this day, frequently when I'm in a store, I find my hands in my pockets. You know, that looks disturbing to the rest of us, Cliff, when we see you walking <laughs> know, around with your hands in your yes. pockets. <laughs> well, they're not that far deep down in my pockets. But okay? still, it's just the image of that. It's not something I want to see in a store when I'm trying to purchase something. It kind of amazes me in Egypt, the way they uh, constantly are digging around and finding, buried <laughs> yeah. in the ground, 
things yeah. from 2,500 and 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. I guess I kind of wonder, how did things get buried that deep that we couldn't ever find them for thousands of years? I mean, we well, have entire cities that somehow get covered up. Well, I mean, I, they didn't bury them on purpose, but over the course of the thousands of years, you know, it's a desert. This The wind blows and the sand covers things. That's that really sense? poor housekeeping, Cliff. <laughs> I mean, really, if you lose an entire city well. underneath the sand. <laughs> I mean, the Sphinx was under the sand at one time, maybe a couple of times in history. But you would think yes. after a while, people would go, hey, we misplaced things a lot here. Let's try to clean this up a little bit. And I wonder if that will happen at like, um, I don't know, Disney World down in Florida. If thousands of years from now, something happens and that place gets covered up and archaeologists dig around in there, will they misinterpret what's going on and think that we were a bunch of people that worship mice? <laughs> yeah. uh, you're right. No, you're right. I mean, there's probably been no bigger ambassador to wildlife, uh, to, the, to the wildlife of this planet than Steve Irwin. The late Australian zoologist was globally known before his death in 2006 as someone genuinely excited about animals and telling their stories. Now, some of that TV stuff might have, in fact, overshadowed the fact that he was a serious conservationist and spent time in the field doing real research. And that's one of the reasons why there are two animals discovered only recently that have been named after him, including a turtle he discovered himself in 1990. The Latin name for the turtle is called Elsea Irwini, or Irwin's turtle, because, well, he found it. And it lives only in the lower region of the Burdekin River in far north Queensland, Australia. Now, Irwin's turtle has a rare ability something that is seen in the turtle kingdom, but not very often. It has the ability to take in oxygen through a set of gills in its cloaca. What is a cloaca? I'm glad you asked. The answer best told by the Morning Roadshow Department of Just in Time for Breakfast. A cloaca is a posterior orifice that serves as the way out for the digestive, urinary, and reproductive tract. So in other words, the turtle can breathe out its butt. I don't believe anybody asked what that was, Cliff. I know I didn't ask. <laughs> I don't think any of our 11 wonderful <laughs> listeners were asking. You don't think so? I don't believe so. <laughs> well, Cliff, we've got an update to a story that you had just yesterday on this program. Oh, we do, huh? Okay, cool. The five swearing parrots over in England. Yes. You mentioned that uh, they got five of those parents, parrots, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, one of them knew a bunch of cuss words and taught the other ones, and so they had to remove them. Yeah, they had to separate them and uh, take them off the public display because they were afraid the children might be, uh, well, embarrassed. <laughs> and the good news, Cliff. Yes? The staff has worked with these parrots and yeah. retrained them and got the parrots to clean up their language so oh, really? they're ready to be put back out into the main public bird colony. <laughs> okay. And okay. now our fingers are crossed to see if they stay reformed or go back to their filthy ways. I'm thinking <laughs> filthy ways, Cliff. Uh, see, I'm thinking because, you know, there'll be some people who will be like, uh, are these the cussing parrots? And then and they'll just start it over again. I think you're exactly right. <laughs> I would do that, too. 
Oh, yeah, totally. I, well, yeah, so let's watch the language and not turn into parrots here from England. Let's not do that. <laughs> but you can say creatively how you want it to stop. And if we yeah. get four in a row, it's done. Mm-hmm. Cliff, the struggle continues here at Country 98.1. I can't think straight. And I think one of our wonderful listeners has figured out the whole entire problem going on with really? me. Really? I believe they're right, too. Okay, what's going on? Top of the morning, Terry Phil McCracken. Weed, you've been a bit distracted this morning because you had a big gift of donuts come in. Now put the donuts down and get back to work. That's the problem, Cliff. <laughs> I used to be able to eat three donuts this lickety split and yeah. felt like I was standing on Mount Everest with my arm on my hip, you know, like I'm congratulating myself. And now when I eat them, I just get all sleepy. I don't know what's <laughs> happened to me. Wow. Put the donut down and get back to work. I'm getting, I'm getting ready to get the fourth one out of the box, and I want to thank Dan once again for bringing those in. Well, Cliff, we made the call out for uh, our wonderful listeners to give us song suggestions yeah. that they think will make it all the way through on some coming up Friday. But then we got a text message from somebody on something just totally off the wall, I thought, Cliff. They okay. said they didn't have a song selection for us this morning, but they would like to know something. They right. don't like the name Weed. And they were wondering if there's another name that I could actually go by on this program, which would <laughs> cause a lot of confusion, Cliff, because all of the little liners and jingles things say Weed and Cliff yeah. in the morning. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's all that stuff's been recorded. Yes. Really, yeah. It's going to be a lot of work. And I thought it was odd that they wanted to know, is there another name that people actually call me besides, you know, yeah. my name? Well... Yeah, there, there is, Cliff. Oh, there is? Huh? Yeah, well, laser hair removal clinics. They call me the challenge there, so I guess it could be the challenge with Weed and Cliff or the challenge with Cliff or something like that. Uh, oh. Is that too much work, Cliff, to change that's everything? Too, that's too much, yeah. Well, our Take It to the Bank this morning is about bats. We're going to give you some information about them. There's uh, nearly 1,000 different kinds of bats in the world. They're on every continent there is except for Antarctica. And here in the U.S., we have 90 species of bats ourselves. There are vampire bats. We all joke about Dracula, but there are vampire bats. They live in South America. They're kind of rare. And every night they drink about eight teaspoons of blood every single night, mostly from cows and other livestock and domestic animals that are out and about. So if you've got a dog outside in South America... (laughs) He's bat food. Also, Cliff, Mm -hmm. they always say he's as blind as a bat, but actually they don't really care so much about their um, vision. It's not important to them. Yes. They use echolocation. Right. Which is very noisy. I did not realize that. The cries of a bat, if you measure it about, oh, four inches from their mouth, it comes out at 100 decibels. Holy cow. That'll deafen you. That will. We can't hear that as humans, but if we could, yeah, it would be like hearing the roar of an engine on a jet every time they say uh, some kind of a screeching sound comes out of a bat. <laughs> that's loud. A jackhammer is 90 decibels, and that, Cliff, all of that is true about bats, and they scare me more than just about anything besides a snake. I'm throwing that in there. I don't <laughs> not like a bat. Cliff, anything said today? Indeed. Uh, phrases of the day start with number three. I would not like to be the last guy sucking on that. 
Or the first. No, the first. No, or second. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number two, the turtle can breathe out of his butt. <laughs> Always going to be number two in there somewhere. The number one morning road show phrase for today: You don't have to be a cussing parrot to know what a man thinks about that. <laughs> if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, go to weedandcliff.com and click the contact us button and send us a message. Thanks again for listening to the new Weed and Cliff podcast.